Hey, and thanks for tuning in. At Northgate, we're passionate about helping people become who God purposed them to be. We hope that this message encourages and blesses you today. Stay tuned after for more ways to connect. Good morning. Uh, so good to see you today. Welcome to uh, Northgate, if you're new with us, my name is Steve Perkins, uh, one of the pastors. I'll be outside those doors after the service. Love to uh, get to know you there. Uh, we've got a bunch of women gone this weekend, including my wife. Um, there are a few hours northwest of here uh, in the Fergus Falls area. They're on a Northgate Women's Retreat, something we do here at the church every couple of years. So I've been a single parent this weekend. Um, and I have to say, I, I, I realize in a new, new way, my wife does a lot of stuff. <laughs> uh, thank God for teenage daughters, because she has been a big um, help to me this weekend. But let's, uh, let's pray for these ladies as they're away. Uh, Father in heaven, we bless these women um, who are away. Um, teach them something uh, this weekend, today, about themselves, about you. Keep them safe as they travel home. Um, but do something new in them. Even in these last hours, just um, lay on them that spirit of rest. Make them into the women you have purposed them to be as they return as, and as they influence uh, the people in our church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. All right. Uh, Today we continue our series on Jesus' greatest body of teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. We're talking um, about living in the reality of the kingdom of heaven, not just someday when we die, but now, today, in this moment, right now. Today we're going to talk about prayer, and specifically we'll look at what's called the Lord's Prayer. This uh, is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to talk about how that relationship operates. How do we do these things Jesus is talking about? How do we give and fast and, and pray? How do we live in the kingdom? Well, that's how we do it. We give and we fast and we pray. That's the, that's the nature of what it means to be in the kingdom. And like everything else we've talked about so far, when it comes to prayer and talking to God, Jesus will not leave us where we're at. He will elevate the conversation. He will dial it up, um, and that'll be helpful. He warns us at the very um, beginning of Matthew chapter 6, before he gets into this subject, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Be careful not to practice your piety. Um, be careful not to practice your religiosity. We've talked about this for weeks now. Jesus isn't about religion. It's not do this, do that, checking off the boxes. It's not look at me, everybody. I'm such a good person. I pray. It's about a relationship with God. It's about a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's what Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. He teaches us about what that relationship looks like, what that communication looks like. He says, pray like this, okay? Pray like this. So the Lord's Prayer isn't necessarily 
meant to become what it's become. Uh, something wrote, something rehearsed that we say over and over and over again in church. People act like it is. Why didn't we pray the Lord's Prayer this week? And I understand the question and, and the thought behind that question. It's not that I'm against reciting the Lord's Prayer. I'm not. There's just more to it sometimes, I think, than we imagine. This then, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. The Lord's Prayer is a series of prompts. It's a series of priorities when it comes to prayer. And the first category of prompts relate to God the Father. This then is how you should pray. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the model of Scripture when it comes to prayer, more often than not. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Like everything else we've talked about these past several weeks, a conversation with God doesn't begin with me. It doesn't begin with you. Lord, I need your help here. I need you to save me in, 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 in this situation. No, it begins with our Heavenly Father, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. God, it starts with you, with who you are, and yes, also uh, with who I am in you. And then, but only then, are we to move on to our other concerns, how we should live and, and, and what we need and, and so on. And so there's something incredibly practical about that. There's something incredibly wonderful about that. Because when I remember who it is I'm addressing, when I remember that I am talking to my Father in heaven, that I am talking to the God of the universe, the God who spoke this universe into being, what happens? Well, what happens is my confidence grows. If God did all this, then my God can meet all of my needs. Why? Because God is God. Our Father in heaven. Here at Northgate, we oftentimes, almost exclusively, in fact, pray the traditional King James version of the prayer, 17th century English. Many of you grew up with that, our Father who art in heaven. But, but two words there in common with the scriptures, Father and heaven. When we pray, we are not only addressing a good friend, we are, like I said, addressing the God of the universe, the God of the heavens. And that's why it says, that's why Jesus teaches, our Father in heaven. And yet at the same time, he is our Father. He is our friend, and we do call him Father. In the original language, you've maybe heard this teaching before, the word is Abba. And uh, by Abba, I don't mean the 1970s Swedish singing group, uh, Dancing Queen. Uh, but Abba, a, a domestic word. It's what small children call their fathers, even in many parts of the world today, in particular in the Middle East. Daddy, Papa. So there's this tension of reverence and intimacy. In my family, we're big on both. It's Auntie M and Uncle Josh and so on. My kids don't call my parents Greg and Karen. You know, they call them Grandpa and Grandma. Although my nephew did have a short season when he called my mother dum-dum when he was a toddler. He couldn't call her grandma for some reason, so he called her dum-dum. And my mom's big theory on, on that was that that's what we call her behind her back. And that's where he <laughs> picked it up. 
our Father in heaven. Don't lose sight of that. Did you know that no one calls God Father except Christ followers? No one. Um, it's unique to us. We have people in this church who were raised in Judaism. We have people in this church who were raised in Islam. Before coming to Christ, they never called God Father. It's only the Christ follower who knows God as Father. Hallowed be your name. We honor you, God. And not just you, but even your name. In Exodus, we're commanded, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. We oftentimes say it, you shall not say the name of the Lord in vain. And then we get to the next part of the prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. That's the prayer of the church. The church for centuries has prayed for the second coming of Christ, that day at the end of human history when Jesus will return in the clouds and usher in a new heaven and a new earth. But until that day comes, we pray that the Father's kingdom will come in us. That the Father's kingdom will be personal, will be real in us. That others may come into the kingdom through us. I was talking to my two youngest boys this week, my six-year-old Amos, who had a birthday this week, and my eight-year-old, almost nine-year-old Elijah. And we were reading the story of Samuel in the Old Testament. And they were both talking to me at six and nine about how the kingdom of God rules and reigns in their lives. They were both talking to me about how they talk to God and how they relate to God and how they hear from God in their hearts. And it brought me so much joy because that's been my prayer from the moment they were conceived. Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done in my children's lives on earth as it is in heaven. It's not about me. It's not about them. It's about you, Father. But now, and this is where we like to focus in prayer, let's talk about me. Let's talk about you. Verse 11. Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. Father, take care of me. It's okay to talk about me when we pray. It's okay to talk about you. Jesus encourages us to do that. Give us this day our daily bread. Pray for bread, Jesus says. Pray for provision. But when you pray for bread, keep in mind it's bread you are asking for, not cake. It's not champagne and caviar and all the rest. Now, most of us in North America aren't happy with bread unless it's warm and just out of the oven. It's one of my favorite things. But we're not happy with bread, and that's why many of us don't tithe. For example, in my experience, almost every one of us can afford to tithe. We can all, pretty much in this room, I would say, without exception, afford to buy bread and the basics. We just don't want to live on bread. And that's because we all have this dream, this fantasy, where we get out of the bread zone and we won't have to depend on God. Someday, we say, I'll arrive in the surplus zone. I'll get that promotion, receive that inheritance, win the lottery. And that's where true living will begin. And Jesus warns us against that thinking. He says, you never get to a place when 
where you quit praying, give us this day our daily bread, because God is the source of your daily bread. He is the source of your daily provision, not you and not me. We are not the source, no matter how much we may have. I think about the parable of the rich fool. He says to himself, I have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God tells him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? God is the source of our provision, not us. So we pray. Jesus teaches us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And it's comforting to know that he will provide. That's why Jesus says earlier in the chapter, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do. In the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Again, a relationship with God. It's not look at me. It's look at God. Let your light so shine before others that it may glorify your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, people give uh, these days and probably ever since the beginning of, of, of the world for different reasons. The kingdom of heaven is not the way the world operates. For example, if I were to uh, receive millions of dollars and if I were to uh, be able to afford to build a hospital or maybe a wing on a hospital, um, I would not probably call it, if I follow the ways of this world, I would not call it the Jesus Christ Hospital wing, I would probably call the Stephen Perkins lobotomy wing. <laughs> so that everyone goes in there would know that Steve Perkins is such a generous guy. And Jesus says, if you want to do that, fine. Just don't expect a reward from God. God is the source of our daily bread. We get out of his provision, not ours. I want to bring someone up here today, a North Gator, um, who was living out of that provision. She knows what it means to live out of that provision. And uh, she is not trying to make a name for herself. She is trying to make a name for Jesus. Now, she's got a name. Um, her name is Melinda McDermott. She is the founder of Elevate Hope House. It is called Elevate Hope House, not the Melinda and branded McDermott House. But God in his daily bread has given this North Gator, has given Melinda a dream. And to be honest, the first time I heard about it, I thought to myself, Melinda needs a lobotomy. <laughs> but God had bigger plans. Her dream, to empower young single moms and their children, their infants in crisis, by providing a safe home for them and an empowering support system to help these young women and their children, as we talk about at Northgate here all the time, become the people God purposed them to be. And she's almost there. What started off as a pipe dream, as pie in the sky, is about to become a reality. And I want you to hear her story. You will be inspired. Will you please give a warm welcome to Melinda? Come on up. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. Round two. You're on two. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tell us about this ridiculous dream. Ridiculous dream and how yeah. it started. Yeah. Um, 
I would say for me, it starts with my own story. And so I was actually a young mom myself. At 20, I had my first child. And I had a great support system. I had a loving church. I grew up in my entire life. I had a school. I went to Bethel. I had a job. I had everything. And it just seemed to work out, right? But then as I matured in my faith and I married my husband, Brandon, and we had our first child together, Ava, I realized that I was an anomaly, and that God was calling me to work with women like myself, but that didn't have that support system. And that's where Elevate started. Wow. So cool. What is your mission? You talked about it a little bit. We did. But how are are you making it happen? So answer it that way, maybe. Sure. So our mission is to empower young moms, like you said. These are women in crisis. These are moms that are experiencing homelessness, and they don't see the light at all. And our mission, more specifically, is to show them God and show them his love. We don't require them to believe in God when they come to us because we know they're in crisis. And anyone in crisis is going to say what they need to say to get housing and support. But we're there to love them and to show him God's way. Yeah. And uh, as you've been developing this house, as you've been getting ready to launch, a number of single moms have come to you. A number of stories have come to you. Tell us, I mean, what, 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 what these clients are going through, what, what, what these young women are going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, for several years, we've heard of several young moms that have been in need. We've had moms that were living in their cars. We've had moms that were couch hopping. We've had moms of all kinds of stories with their kids. And even most recently, we heard about a mom that was pregnant living in her car. And it was 10 degrees last week when I heard about this. And she has kids as well. And our goal is just come alongside them. But the biggest obstacle really in the end of the day is themselves. Yeah. They have to make the hard choice to want support. And they have to make the hard choice to be willing to be loved on and to learn that their life will need to change in order to get out of crisis. It's my understanding there aren't a lot of long-term um, facilities available to young teenage moms. Is that true? Correct, yes. We've partnered with great organizations like Hope for Youth, Family Promise, Stepping Stones, a ton of them, but they're all short-term. Or the yeah. moms can't bring their kids with them, and then they're separated. And it's very hard to get back once they've been separated. Yeah. So first time I heard about this, it was just a dream. You mm-hmm. had this crazy idea, a God-inspired idea, and God has been providing. He's been giving you um, his daily bread mm-hmm. um, over and over and over again. And it's really a remarkable story. I mean, the biggest obstacle was finding a house. You know, you didn't have two, $300,000 available to buy a house, um, but God provided that. Tell, tell the story about how that all transpired, because it's, it's really... So cool. Yeah, absolutely. So God has provided. And I would say even from the base of Northgate, God has provided. We talked about how, I want to say you first mentioned Elevate up front, like about a year and a half ago. And it was right after that service that one of our first board members joined us, Karen Buxengard. And that was such a blessing to me to hear her story. She's here. To hear her story and why it's different than mine, we still have the same vision and same calling from God. And Shelley Hauser is another one that joined us in the very beginning as well. Different story, different reason, but still the same passion. And now most recently, Tammy Schinder, the women's retreat, the women are on right now. We met at the last one, and it took her almost a year, but she joined us this summer as another board member. And with this team and a few others from other congregations, we've been looking for this house. And just this time last year, we were introduced to Oak Haven Church, and I was told on a Friday about the home, called the pastor up. He said, yeah, we have a home on our property. We can talk about it. Yep, what, in Ham Lake. In uh, Ham Lake. 65. Yeah, about yep. 18 minutes. Actually, not very far. Ham Lake sounds like the boondocks, just like Ramsey <laughs> does to people on that side of the world, yep. but it's not very far. And he mentioned the house. We talked, and we set up a meeting for Tuesday. Little did I know on that Sunday, their church was voting to demolish the building. And it passed. Yeah. 
But we still met on Tuesday and we talked, and for several months, him and his congregation voted to reverse their decision, and now they're renting it to us for a dollar a year, and we just have to go in and remodel it, like you'll see in the pictures. Yeah, that's amazing. An only God, only God. kind of story. So how can we help? Uh, I know there are Northgaters helping um, with various aspects, mm -hmm. but how can we be of help to encourage you as a fellow Northgater and to uh, help single moms in need? As a believer, the biggest thing is prayer. We ask for prayer for the moms that are currently living in the cold or couch hopping that they will make the decision to join us and come live with us and be loved on by God. And we ask for support as we have our events. We have one in February coming up, Parent Night Out here at Northgate again, and we'll need volunteers or just parents that want to donate to our organization, leave their kids with us, and have a night out. Sold. What parent doesn't want that, right? <laughs> yes. It's great. But the biggest thing right now is we are going into our year-end campaign, and we're talking about a residential housing advocate. So this person has a space in the home, it's in the upper level, a bedroom and a bathroom, and then a closed-off secure space. And we need them to live with these moms every night to create that consistency and stability to come alongside these women. And while our house is almost ready, the construction and the carpet is getting laid in the next week or so, and we're ready to open doors, right now the plan is myself and my board members will do rotating shifts to make sure we don't prevent God's calling to open these doors this season. But we'd really love for this residential housing advocate to be able to have a salary and come in and live in this home and come alongside them and then we can do our roles that we're purposed to do in this vision. And we're asking for people to consider giving just $77 a month on a consistent basis. Yep. It's a 501c3 yep. tax deductible donation. Absolutely. Um, everything uh, like that. Melinda just had her third baby and Good. she's opening this nonprofit um, any day now. Yeah. And so I don't want to see you there uh, overnight. But With so, Olivia, so, she'll so, come. It'll yeah, be yeah, fun. yeah. So let's, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's, um, let's get on board and let's help her. Sarah and I signed up this week. I'm super excited about it. And uh, Melinda will be at the chalkboard uh, mm -hmm. out there um, after the service if you have questions. You can also go onto your Northgate app. Just click Elevate Hope House. It's that easy. And you can sign up to um, sponsor her monthly or give a one-time um, gift, but you really do need monthly sponsors. You need people who are going to uh, stick with you um, for the long term. We are proud of you. Thank you. Um, we are inspired by you. It is an honor to serve alongside you and to have you in our church and uh, to partner with you in our church. And we love what you're doing. So God bless you. Thank you. Um, thanks for teaching us today about Elevate Hope House. Let's give her a hand. Thank you. Yeah, so I just wanted, you know, I wanted to give that example of um, give us a day our daily bread. I mean, wow. Uh, Melinda is, is, is living proof of that, and I do hope that um, you'll be inspired to partner. Several people did last night. Um, almost out of time. Let, let's, uh, let's keep going. I want to hit the rest of the Lord's Prayer, make sure we cover all of that. Forgive us our debts, um, our trespasses, our sins, whatever tradition you're familiar with. Um, as we have also forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned, sinned against us. Jesus here acknowledges a reality. Uh, when we come to Christ, uh, when we enter God's kingdom, while we may become different people, there's still a part of us that remains the same. We sin. We fall short. And then he says, when we pray, forgive me, which should be a part of our routine prayer, forgive me, God, Jesus says at the same time, we must also pray, I forgive others too. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, past tense. Did you notice that? 
It's the only part of this prayer that Jesus bothers to comment on later. If you jump down to verse 14, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I could sugarcoat this until the cows come home, but you are smarter than that. Um, It is as plain as the nose on my face. Forgiving others is somehow in the kingdom of God directly tied to our forgiveness from God, which means we do not ever withhold forgiveness. We don't say things, and I've heard people say this so many times, I've even said it myself, we don't say things like it's going to take me some time to forgive you. Now, you can say it's going to take me some time to trust you. That certainly makes sense. But what you do say is, I forgive you now, not later. I let you off the hook now, not later. Which means no vengeance, which means no retribution, no ill will. No, you hurt me, so I'm going to hurt you. Just simply, I forgive you. It's the attitude of Jesus. All of this in the kingdom of heaven, everything that we've been studying is about that. It's, it's I forgive. What did Jesus say on the cross as people were mocking him, as they were scoring? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. The final petitions and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Someone once said, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every single human being. Paul, the author of Romans, think about this, a man who wrote a quarter of the New Testament, said about himself, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. There's a hidden fault line inside of each one of us, and Jesus knows that. And that's why he tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I used to live in Southern California, experienced a couple of earthquakes while living there, slept through most of them. But the source of every earthquake in California is the San Andreas Fault, right? And when that fault gets revealed, when things begin to shift around that fault, what happens? Things get destroyed. And have you seen that with people? I have. You think you know them, and then all of a sudden you you realize you don't. At least that's what we say. But maybe you do know them. Maybe you just didn't know all of them. I think of Judas Iscariot. He loved Jesus, but his greed got to him, and that greed led to betrayal. Or Peter, that early follower of Jesus, a total windbag. Peter longed for affirmation And that fault line of affirmation, wanting people's acceptance, wanting people's approval, led him to deny Jesus three times when confronted by the crowd. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. He says there is a fault line in each one of us. He tells us we should pray, Father, lead me away from temptation. Lead me away from those situations, from those circumstances where my fault line will shift, where my fault line will be revealed, where my fatal weaknesses will be exposed. And you know how this goes. It's as old as the hills. A time of stress or depression happens to coincide with a pretty woman or a handsome man. And then there's an earthquake. And the damage is severe. Loss of spouse, loss of children, loss of respect. 
That's why later in this chapter, Jesus talks about fasting. Fasting, Jesus says, is a great way to push off temptation because we get in the habit of giving up something we desire. We give up something good, in this case, food, for something even better, God. Verse 16 says, when you fast, not if you fast, by the way, Jesus assumes we'll fast. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Again, as with prayer, fasting is about relationship, not religion. God wants us to relate to him in our giving. He wants us to relate to him in our fasting, not do it for show. Even when we pray, he wants us to relate to him in our relationship, in our communication with him. And so that's how Jesus teaches us to pray. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Six petitions, six promptings that can be prayed by any child of God, any Christ follower, at any place, and at any time. Our Father who art in heaven, the God of the universe, your heavenly Father. Again, only God's people call God Father. Only people who have been grafted into the body of Christ, only his children call him Father. What a privilege. We are the most fortunate people in the world to be able to call God Father. Of all the people who've lived throughout the history of the world, only for the last 2,000 years have people called God Father. And we get to live in that generation, and we get to be a part of that people. Our Father who art in heaven, God of the universe, you are my heavenly Father, my Abba, my Daddy, my Papa. Hallowed be your name. You are holy, Lord. You are set apart. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come, Lord Jesus. Come in me. Come rule and reign in my life so that others may know you through my life. Give us this day our daily bread, God. Provide for me. Provide for others. Provide for me as I provide for others. The church, Elevate Hope House, those in need. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Father, forgive my sin. I will never tire praying that prayer. Forgive my sin. Forgive my sin, those things I've done wrong, things said and unsaid, things done and left undone, and at the same time, teach me to forgive others as you have forgiven me. I will not withhold forgiveness from anyone, Lord. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, I recognize there is a fault line in my soul. There is a tendency, a weakness, a circumstance that could lead to my ruin. Keep it buried underneath. Keep it from being exposed. Keep, keep those plates from shifting. No earthquakes. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. I know we are all very familiar with these verses. We have prayed these prayers. We have heard people pray this prayer. May God lift that veil of our over-familiarity. When you pray, pray like this. This then is how you should pray. It's a different way to pray. It's a different way to live. Living in the kingdom of heaven is an entirely different way to live. Not simply doing the religious thing. Look at me, God. I'm such a good person. I pray. I give. I fast. I go to church. Not tooting our own horns. Not 
giving in to our greatest weaknesses. Well, this is the way I was born, and I've always been this way, and I've always felt this way. No, living in the reality of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the hand, Jesus said. Living in communication with our heavenly Father, our Abba. I don't have to tell you, you know as well as I do, our world needs prayer. It needs Jesus. We live in some very troubling times, a divided country, terrible conflicts throughout the globe. But as Christ followers, we have to keep in mind that is not our battle alone. There's a much greater battle, another battle. It's a battle we all face. It's a battle to die to ourselves and to live for others and to live for Christ in his kingdom. When we're giving, when we're fasting, when we're praying day to day, and this prayer confronts us, it's about God, not us. He's the solution to our world. It's about the Father's name and the Father's kingdom and the Father's will. Yes, our bread and our sins and our temptations, but at the end of the day, it's about God's kingdom coming to rule and reign in our lives so that others may come into God's kingdom at the same time. We live in times of great importance, and what matters most in many ways is not our religious acts of service, but our hearts. It starts here. To pray this prayer like we mean it, not in a rote way, but in a sincere way, a very sincere way. To enjoy that relationship with our Heavenly Father. To enjoy that relationship through His Son, Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, as our Heavenly Father is the only one who can make sense of this world. And we have the privilege of calling Him Father. And we have the privilege of talking to Him. And so our Lord Jesus has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And thank you, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, for teaching us how to pray. Send your Holy Spirit this week as we communicate with you, as we give and as we fast. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Next week, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. The prayer team will be up here after the service. They would love to pray for you about anything and everything. Make use of them. Uh, also, I encourage you, sign up uh, to sponsor Elevate Hope House in the lobby, like I said Sarah and I did last week. And I cannot think of a better use for our money. So I encourage you to talk to Melinda after the service. Please stand for God's blessing. You can open your hands if you'd like. That's a posture of receiving. Jesus loves you and I love you. And now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus 
throughout all generations forever and ever. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit rest on each one of you this week as you communicate with your Heavenly Father. And all God's people said, Amen. I love you. Turn around, say hi to someone. I'll be outside those doors. All right, thanks for watching. I want to let you know about two things you can do. First, follow us on Vimeo or iTunes so you don't miss a single message. Better yet, join us in person Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11. And second, if you're feeling this ministry and want to help advance the mission of helping people become who God purposed them to be, you can click the link to give. Your generosity brings hope, healing, and radical transformation to people all over the world. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.